Billy Brady, right off the gate, we have to start talking about why we would crash the entire field on lap 13-14 of the damn Daytona 500. Billy, it's maddening. I don't even understand it. Uh, I mean, clearly, there's not anybody on the planet that wanted this to happen, but yet here we are, Billy. What, what are we doing here? I'm not sure what we was doing there on lap 14. I'm all about the side-by-side racing, but I don't get the fact that you're going to take out a lead car in the first lap 14. And, you know, the lead car spins, you know, all chances are highly there's going to be a lot of cars taken out. So I'm not sure exactly what Christopher Bell Eric Amarola, Kyle Busch all had going on, but they screwed up the Daytona 500, in my opinion. Billy, it looked to me like the 18 was pushing and bumping the hell out of the 20. Uh, Well, it didn't look to me. That's what happened. They absolutely were. were, The 18 was pushing the living shit out of the out of the 20, and the 20 didn't have any place to go. I don't know if if you know the spotter was asleep or if Kyle Busch was just just being a prick that early in a race, or maybe he was feeling out and seeing if he could push. But it's absolutely a dumb move, uh, regardless of blame. And normally I love to throw blame everywhere we can, but whether it's Kyle Busch, whether it's the – that's irrespective to me. Lap 14 of the biggest race of the year, you don't do shit that's going to wreck the entire field. I just – there's nothing to gain by that. It's only things to lose. And, uh, you know, Dale Jr. wrecked a bunch of cars in Xfinity race one time down at Daytona, and he's felt so damn bad. He he put he hung bodies on all those damn cars, uh, much to the chagrin of the shop boys. But uh, I thought it was uh, idiotic that it should have never happened, and 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 I hate that it happened. It just uh, all these people were there to watch the race, and it just oh god, it's just it's just terrible. It ruined the race all the way. It, you can blame all. You can blame the finish on that lap fourteen. You can blame the single file parade lap we saw for 70 plus laps on that wreck because there wasn't the cars out there to draft i mean it, so it all comes back to that the complexion of the race and i, I want to bring rob lokes in right now rob can you talk about it yet i mean how, how are we feeling over there um first off greetings everyone happy 2021 since this is the first podcast i've been on this year yeah and look forward to many exciting new ones and, uh, yeah, um, we're still a little wound up about the whole situation. Um, to uh, put it in a nutshell, uh, I, got, I was home, walked in the door as they were taking the green after the rain delay. And that's after working our guts out in the rain to cut the car up enough to get it in the trailer. And to get back onto the racetrack stuff, there was a lot of big time names and some hot and some really good race cars that got taken out in that early race. Really Lots good of race good cars. race cars. And and I think you I think you touched on it, Billy. I mean that changed the complexity of that race. It definitely changed the complexity of that race. Billy, do you think the do you think the the average NASCAR fan appreciates what happened on Sunday, or do you think that they? Uh, I mean, what, what's your take on it? Oh, I 100% would agree that the average fan, the people that's been along for the ride to to know Michael McDowell and how his demeanor is, I think 100% they, they're on board with what the way it happened. 
Yeah. You know, back in the day, um, and it wasn't that long ago, you know, maybe a half a dozen years, you know, you know, sometimes you have a 6-3 football game. And, and you can sit on the edge of your seat the whole fucking time if, if you're if you know what's going on and and you know the ball may move three yards a series you're like damn I mean it's just, and your and your breath is captivated some races are turned like that some races you need to log some laps you need to get you know 60 50, uh, 50 60 laps in that's just the way racing is it doesn't have to be a crash muff derby every lap wow. and all that kind of stuff and that and and I don't think NASCAR needs that and so I was very happy to see the way it played out was 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 perfect in my opinion because you can't predict what's going to happen at any race let alone a Daytona 5 Daytona or Talladega congrats to everybody that finished well condolences to those that didn't but now it's time to now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of things. on the phone live with me right now I have a longtime friend of the program David Smith of Motorsports Analytics actually I guess I can't just stop right there anymore, uh, David. You're now on uh, NBC. You got uh, uh, your Forbes. Of course, you've got Motorsports Analytics. You also do your uh, your, your podcast, uh, excellently titled as uh, Regress <laughs> uh, Positive Regression, uh, which is an amazing amazing thing, and leads us right into um, what you do for a living. But you take data and you crunch it and you let it tell you what is happening on the track. And I'll be damned if you are rarely not on the mark. Talk to me about Kevin Harvick and some of the others that that you look for to continue maybe what they did in 2020 or maybe some some new people that come up that you're you're looking to see bigger things out of them this year. You know, regarding Harvick, I think what will dictate his year um, really doesn't have anything to do with his ability, but the schedule change. Because yeah. when NASCAR elected to go towards the 750 horsepower routes and load the schedule with the road courses, mm-hmm. uh, for starters, Kevin Harvick was the second least efficient road course passer over the last two years. So yeah. automatically, that this is not his cup of tea, right? Yeah. Also, the, the races that got taken away, uh, one, one at Michigan, the, the Oval at Indianapolis, these are Kevin Harvick tracks. Yeah. Uh, so he's lost a lot of his, um, yeah, we'll call them comfort facilities, but, mm-hmm. but they're gone. So what he's going to have to do is step out of his comfort zone a little bit on these road courses. And the clash did not treat him especially well. He is at the same track uh, less than two weeks later uh, this weekend on the Daytona road course. And it's going to have to look markedly different. Um, If anything, I would, I would expect him to be just, he'll be fine on the 550 tracks and the majority of the 750 tracks. Um, But when it comes to the road course, it's probably advantageous to him that there are six of the seven during the regular season. Um, he might not have as dominant of a regular season as he did last year for this very reason. It's just because the schedule is sort of going away from what he does well. And and, and on the flip side of that, you're going to see organizations like Penske and Hendrick, which once it was announced that Phoenix is championship race, those organizations pivoted and became specialists on the 750 tracks. I think that they are, at the very least, they have a leg up on everyone. But I think they're just going to flourish this yeah. year. Um, I was impressed with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing's speed 
on the Daytona Road Course during the Clash. Uh, that's a, a new rules package for uh, for that particular track. Uh, Martin Truex is one of the most efficient road course racers in NASCAR. Uh, I know a lot of the chatter is about Chase Elliott, but Truex in his own right is a phenomenal road course racer. And Denny Hamlin was also fast, and Kyle Busch won that race. So um, I think, if, if anything, for, for folks like Harvick, it's, the schedule getting away from him and feeding others uh, while some of the tracks that he did very well at last year are no longer on the schedule. I'm going to come back and talk to you about the, the Daytona road course coming up and the article that you wrote this morning um, on Thursday about the <laughs> maybe the guy to watch here on the road courses. But you, you bring up some interesting things about, about Kevin Harvick and the road courses, six of them being in the other season, uh, which, you know, okay, so – Data and history suggests that that's probably not going to be a a, a, a great thing for, for him and his team. But Kevin Harvick's team is absolutely, they as much as I have given him grief in the past about screwing up on pit road, I, he's got one of the best guys on a pit box there, there was. And speaking of pit boxes, we got um, Bubba Wallace's crew chief, which is a guy who I have – really liked for a very long time. I think, and of course, Bubba Wallace is the big off-season move. Um, Eric Jones goes over to the 43. Bubba Wallace jumps into the 23. I thought Bubba Wallace, uh, Bubba Wallace raced exactly like I thought he would. I didn't think he would race in traffic very well. I thought if he was up front, he would do a lot better. He did get caught up in some trouble. But um, the 23, as, as a quote-unquote brand-new team, from outside looking in, David, I like the group of people they've put in together. Any predictions for Bubba Wallace in the 23 this year? So for that particular team, and I, and I know this because Michael Levine has helped uh, helped us produce some positive regression uh, video work. Uh, Michael Levine, Bob Levine's son at Levine Family Racing. I know that 90% of that 23 team is from LFR last yeah. year. So right off the bat, I think that's a pretty good – proxy for what to expect uh, at best they are a fringe playoff contender yeah. um, the, the one thing that I didn't like hearing and, and Mike Wheeler spoke about this when he was in Daytona but they really didn't get their start until middle of December uh, now I know that there were there were announcements but they, they hadn't located their shop until late in the year last year they weren't so, working on cars <laughs> no <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a mad it's been a mad crash for them to put things together. And that's kind of what makes their, their Daytona uh, debut um, so impressive that they were able to turn things around. But I think as the, the uh, initial part of the year progresses, and mind you, there's not going to be practice or qualifying yeah. unless we get to some of these road course tracks that we haven't seen before, yeah. um, that's, that's where things are going to get a little bit wonky. Um, mm -hmm. It's a good thing that they are relying on Joe Gibbs Racing for at least some technical notes, but just because something works well for Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin, and, and yeah. both of those drivers have really quirky driving style, it doesn't yeah. mean it's going to work completely well for Bubba Wallace. So yeah. I think that's going to be the hurdle that the team actually has to look out for is just the, the late start that they had last year. I mean, in my opinion, I think 23-11 racing is building something this year to mm -hmm. capitalize when the new car comes out in yeah. 2022, that is when we should probably properly grade uh, yeah. what they're able to do because this year is just going to tracks 
and kind of figuring things out for the first time and, and getting notes on a new driver and, and, yeah. and new cars. So yeah. that's, that's it's going to be low-hanging stuff uh, for them. It's going to be difficult for them to, to have the kind of success we'd expect from a de facto Joe Gibbs team because yeah. really they're not. They've had to piece this together sort of on the fly, and yeah. that is very difficult to do. Well, when you mentioned about, you know, what works for, you know, maybe some of the JGR drivers and Bubba Wallace is different, I immediately thought of Dale Jr. and Jimmy Johnson. I mean, those those guys are completely different, you know, driving styles, handling abilities, and Jimmy Johnson's over there winning all kind of races at Hendrick Motorsports. You know, you just can't <laughs> – sometimes they don't translate, you know, at, at all uh, from one driver to another, and sometimes it can help. Uh, Billy, To Billy Bradley's credit, he has been saying for a long time – you know, 2022 is when, you know, we're going to start to evaluate the, the 23 team. This year they're getting way too late, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that. I didn't know that they weren't even working on cars, you know, and getting that team together um, uh, until mid-December. That's that's crazy now. I have also um, have been saying for a few months that when Eric Jones getting a 43, that's how we might be able to uh, – kind of measure Bubba Wallace a little bit um, by how same car, you know, nothing's really changed on the, on the car this year. Next year would be radically different. But how do you think Eric Jones may stack up in the 43? New team, new environment. Um, we, we saw what happened when Joey Logano moved to a different place. Is that something that's going to happen to Eric Jones? What do you, you think is going to happen there? <laughs> you know, when you say that nothing's changed on the car at, at RPM, you're, you're dead right. Uh, their 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 big off season move was Eric Jones, and yeah. from the outside looking in, as far as personnel goes, that's the only move. Yeah. And listen, Eric is phenomenal. That's that is a huge get if you're Richard Petty Motorsports. But expecting him to come in and have that flip the fortunes of yeah. a pretty bare bones organization. I mean, they're they're thin uh, from yeah. a personnel standpoint, uh, and it's sort of all hands on deck. Eric Jones is being asked to put this team on his shoulders, and yep. that is going to be incredibly tough. Um, a few weeks ago on my podcast, Positive Regression, I had very specific predictions. I predicted that Eric Jones would lead the Cup Series essentially in passing, uh, in surplus passing value. And I had explained this to my co-host, Alan Kavana. <laughs> I think what's going to happen because Eric is such an efficient passer. He ranked fourth in this particular metric last year. Mm-hmm. But what's going to happen here, he's in the RPM car. He is going to pass the same guys three or four times each race and yeah. had his stats. And gotcha. when, we, when we see his name on the ticker, he's not going to really change positions all that much. Um, yeah. One of the problems they had last year, Jerry Baxter, was not an efficient strategist. I think he cost mm-hmm. Bubba... Uh, something like 40 positions on, on drafting ovals. And Bubba wow. Wallace himself was not a very good long-run passer. So this mm-hmm. was just making a weakness weaker. Yeah. So with with Jones, yeah, he's going to be able to do work. Uh, yeah. But dropping him into the, you know, the 21st through 25th running whereabouts, he's going to boss that group of drivers. He, he yeah. is good. He is talented. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know what that's going to do for RPM. I don't see them as a playoff contender yet. And you probably should keep an eye on Eric, uh, a source close to 
the team and his contract tells me that he does have an opt-out after this year. If a better register come along for 2022, he he might want to look in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, That is difficult to see. He was passed on by Chip Ganassi Racing. He was passed on by JTG Doherty Racing. So it's unless he does something completely crazy in that 43 car, I don't see them, uh, those organizations that pass on him initially to circle back and take another shot. So he's going to have to make the best out of what I would say is a a not ideal scenario. And you're right. I mean, judging the 43 car based on who's in it is is certainly one way to evaluate what, uh, what Bubba Wallace was able to do. But I also think that there's going to be a lot at the Eric Jones with that program, and maybe that's not totally fair for, for Eric Jones because that's sure. really not how races are being won right now in the NASA Cup Series. Well, Jimmy Wags, we just heard what David Smith had to say about Bubba Wallace and and Eric Jones, and I know you have gone straight to Team Toyota. You are decked out um, with with all kind of 23-11 gear, and you're super excited for this season. But what is your I have joined here? the dark side. <laughs> you have definitely joined the dark side. You, when you go all in, brother, you go all in. What's your yes, thoughts sir. here on the on Bubba Wallace and Eric Jones here? Um, I, I thought David's uh, assumptions are were pretty spot on, man. Um, you know, I, I really – I hate to say, and I give my stepbrother a lot of crap about it, but, you know – 2311 is, is building towards 2022 with the new car, and this year could be just a throwaway year, you know, so to speak, um, just to build that rapport with the team. I was interested to hear him say that 90% of the uh, uh, Levine family racing team is 2311. Um, so they already have that camaraderie built there. They got that experience built with that with the current car that they're in. Um, so it's just building that rapport and experience uh, with Bubba. Um it would be interesting to see. I, I really think um, they're going to be a lot farther along than what they think. You know, obviously they, they, they just got cars in at the end of December, um, and they just destroyed a car in the Daytona 500, so that didn't help them. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, I, I really think that um, Bubba's three years in. Um, he's really going to be paying a lot close attention to what Mike, Mike Will is telling him, what Wills is telling him. And I, I really think um, – they're going to have a lot of success, even though this year could be considered a lame duck year for them. So, and how that how that correlates to Eric Jones and and him uh, and David talking about how Eric Jones could be one of the most prolific passers this season. Um, it'd be interesting. Obviously, Eric Jones is a two-time uh, Cup Series winner. He's won at Darlington, won at Daytona, um, and uh, you know I I don't know. Like I just think that uh, RPM has the same equipment that they've had in years past. Um, and Bubba, uh, Bubba Wallace definitely pushed that car to his limits the last few years and got more out of it than he than than he should have. Um, it, it could be interesting to see what what Jones could do with that car, uh, considering it, its um, level of uh, I guess you could say um, its level of uh, I don't know the word I'm or, or lack of yeah. level of professionalism. Yeah, um, yeah you know, like it's interesting. <laughs> you know, for for years I, I've been saying, and, and I'm just a fan, just like you and and most of the people listening to this, except for Mike Helton. I know he listens religiously, but uh, you know, for years I've been saying that that team over there at 43, uh, they just, I mean, they're they're a you know a, a bailing wire and duct tape you know kind of organization, and it was kind of nice to hear. David Smith say, "Hey, they're they're bare bones over there." So I, I give kudos to Bubba Wallace for doing what he what he had been doing in the 43 because 
I mean, you just look at them, you know that, I mean, they were racing, trying to get sponsors during the year and that sort of thing. And, and so, it, and, and I am glad for Bubba that he has had an opportunity to get in that ride. He was bad fast at Daytona. If not for a wreck, uh, you know, he, he, he had, he had a car that could have contended for the win. And it's going to be interesting to see what, what Eric Jones is going to do. But I thought the most interesting thing of everything I heard, besides the fact that, um, you know, uh, most of that was LFR uh, guys over there, was that Eric Jones, and here's what I had missed. I had overlooked this, Jimmy. Eric Jones was passed up by Chip Ganassi and JTG. He's got yeah. two cup wins, and he was passed up by those guys, Jimmy. That seems a little odd to me now that I think about it. I agree. Um, is Eric Jones uh, as marketable as Bubba Wallace? And the answer right now is no, he's not. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say that he doesn't have the driving ability. Uh, he yeah. does. He's proven that two times, uh, being being a winner in, in the Cup Series. But he, to me, he just doesn't have that market ability. And you can see that right now. Uh, Petty is going into this weekend um, at the Daytona Road Course, uh, sponsoring the car. Petty Garage is sponsoring yeah. the car. That's not a true sponsor, you know. They had a one-race deal with Amaral. And, um, you know, it, I, I don't know. Is it? Do we do we do we say this is a product of Petty's marketing team? What are they looking for? Are they trying to look for a big time sponsor to carry them through the season and they're just dumb taking one off one race deals? Or is it is just Eric Jones isn't as marketable as a lot of the other drivers in the sport is, you know? I I, I wanna say it's the latter and uh you know, it, it sucks, you know, Eric Jones has a lot of talent. But uh, if he can put together some great runs, maybe that'll turn into some potential sponsorship through the season for them. Well, Jimmy, I think you and I both think Eric Jones getting some great runs is going to be difficult. Bubba Wallace wasn't able to do it, uh, and and that's and Eric Jones is a as you mentioned a two time winner. I had never thought about how unmarketable. Eric Jones was <laughs> until you mentioned how unmarketable he is. And then he's when they bland, miss, man. he is bland. I mean, he's like a plain like, piece of white paper. You I mean, know, just, don't get me wrong. You know, the kid can drive a car, man. But like, is he the face of your organization? Does does, is, does he excite people to go out and buy your product? No, no, he, he doesn't. So no. He's not very exciting, and, you know, I look at a guy like uh, way back when, Cole Witt, who was with Junior Motorsports. Uh, that guy I thought could drive pretty well, and he did well at Junior Motorsports, but he just was, I mean, it was like eating a stale hot dog. It just wasn't any damn fun, and I, I and if you're not marketable and you can't bring money to the table, you're not going to have uh, much success. Bubba Wallace, uh, you and I both, and Billy have all agreed he should have been as marketable as anybody in a damn sport for the last four years. Absolutely. He's getting his opportunity, and I hope he makes the damn best of it. So we're getting ready to listen to David Smith preview the road course. Jimmy Wags, we're going to hear Billy and 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 Rob's picks here at the end of uh, David Smith's segment. But tell me right now, Jimmy Wags, uh, who is your winner and your dark horse? You know what? Everybody's on the Chase Elliott bandwagon, and and rightfully so. Chase Elliott's won four straight road course races. Uh, if he goes two more, he will tie Jeff Gordon's consecutive road course uh, win streak. Um, but a guy that nobody really talks about and is consistently in the top five in these road course races is Martin Truex Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he is he is arguably one of the best road course racers uh, in uh, Cup Series today. And uh, I'm going to go with MTJ. I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. as my winner. Right. Um, or for dark horse here, you know what? I wish I could have picked him as a dark horse this week, but he turned out to be our Daytona 500 champion. <laughs> so, uh, so I won't be able to pick uh, Michael McDowell. Uh, but uh, I, I think a guy that really could uh, could shine uh, on road courses and and has re- so recently, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give uh, give Alex Bowman um, a plug here. Uh, obviously, a couple of years ago, he finished second at the Roval, um, you know, getting into the uh, the playoffs there uh, for that second round. And uh, yep. he, he's, if he can if he can get some help and some some luck, he turned into a, a pretty good road course racer. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Alex Bowman here as my dark horse. Wags are the two great picks. I like them both. Um, I think Bowman, the showman, is ready to get in that in that 48 teams. Uh, 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 ride and, and do some things. It ought to be it ought to be exciting to watch. I appreciate you coming in. Let's see what David Smith has to say, bud. All right, let's hear it. Let's talk um, here about the upcoming uh, Daytona Road Course. Now, most people are trying to figure out how the hell uh, Chase Elliott's on the pole, but they use a, a format that probably maybe you can understand a hell of a lot easier than most people. But 25% of the last race finish, 25% um, owner finish of the last race, 35% 2021 owner points, and 15% the previous race fastest lap ranking, which seems random to me, but I, we got to start it somehow. So Chase Elliott's <laughs> on the pole. We know yeah. how, how good Chase Elliott is. Uh, Michael McDowell is going to roll off second. But you wrote an article that came out this morning on Thursday um, about Martin Truex Jr. And uh, tell us a little bit about, um, about that and, and where we can find that article. Yeah, that's uh, right now on NBCSports.com, uh, wrote about Martin Truex. And, yeah, Chase Elliott has this string of wins that uh, he's pieced together. Four in a row, he's too shy of Jeff Gordon's all-time record uh, for consecutive road course wins. And, yeah, that's certainly a story. Chase Elliott has the field sort of petrified about his uh, his ability on long runs on road courses. Mm-hmm. But Martin Truex in his own right, and I think, the Bush Clash was a pretty uh, interesting display of this. He drove from the rear to the front twice before crashing out of the lead. I mean, I would argue that he was the entertainment. For, I mean, yeah. between from flag to flag for that race. But this is sort of what he does. He is, and I've had a peek at his telemetry, he is an efficient user of the brakes yeah. on road courses. And when you are using brakes effectively, you're not putting as much force on your tires, and when you have the tires, you can pass cars. And Martin mm-hmm. Truex is the most efficient passer and restarter in NASCAR road course races, and that's something to pay attention to. Yeah, he, he hasn't he hasn't won since uh, Sonoma 2019, but he is keeping this Joe Gibbs Racing team afloat in these road course races, and I think his ability is something that should be celebrated. Uh, I asked him about what he thought, sort of about his ability, about what it was, and specifically Mm -hmm. whether he was a driver who embraced uh, something like elevation change, uh, which we see at Sonoma and Watkins Glen. This doesn't get talked about a lot, but he seems to thrive when there's a lot of elevation. And when we're going to these 
stadium road courses like the Roval and Daytona, that elevation doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, so he he believes that a, a lot of a lot of the basic road course skill can translate between different places because in, in his mind, Sonoma and Watkins Glen are nothing alike, other than that they are road courses. But as far as the shape goes, nothing alike. Yeah. So he's working on piecing that together right now for the stadium road courses. And he said something interesting. He's been scouting Chase Elliott. The, all, all drivers can see uh, each other's SMT data, uh, which is a, a data visualization software. Mm-hmm. And he's been looking at that heavy on, on what Chase has been doing and, and has been attempting to figure it out. And I think back to that Bush Clash, which I thought was an entertaining race. Yeah, yeah if there was really, realistically, if there's anyone who was going to beat Chase Elliott and mm-hmm. – you know, say what you will about the finish of that race, but Chase yeah. Elliott was in contention to win on uh, older tires than yeah. Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch. Mm-hmm. It would have been Truex, and he he would have that that was we were sort of robbed of seeing that potential battle for the finish. I think we could actually see something like that this weekend. Yeah. But I wanted to write that article just hey, Chase Elliott's great, but as a reminder, there's another virtuoso on road courses in NASCAR fields, and it's it's Martin Truex. Well, Martin Truex Jr. usually seems to be there at the end uh, of the race. Remember the first Roval, um, I believe it was with Jimmy Johnson and Martin Truex Jr. may have got, uh, got oh, yeah. or something. I mean, uh, he, he absolutely has, has proven. I mean, there's a reason why the guy's a champion. Um, I, he's damn good, and, and you're right. That that the, the clash with Martin Truex Jr. was absolutely – I mean, if you enjoy racing, watching him get up and down was, was absolutely fantastic. They did do some repair. They, they altered the course a little bit. There was a lot of dirt and mud and grass and shit on the track uh, during the clash, which was crazy. It was literally killing some cars. And so they, they paved a little bit of area there, which I don't, I don't suspect it's going to change much, except there's going to be less people complaining about uh, cars running hot and, and losing uh, aerodynamics and, and that sort of thing. We're we're going to a road course in place of a two mile oval. Yep. We're in Florida for the first three weeks of the season. Daytona Oval, Daytona Road Course, Homestead, Homestead, and then we head out west for two, which would which would normally be our West Coast trip. Yeah, because Fontana unfortunately wasn't able to make things happen yeah. because of the current situation. Yeah. So we're going to race the road course instead in Daytona. We're going to go to Homestead, and then we're going to go to West, go Vegas and Phoenix. So we're going to we're going to run a super speedway race, a road course race, which a lot of people consider wild card races to begin with. Yeah. Okay. So let's look at it that way. Wild card yeah. races, first two races of the year, and then we're going to get on ovals for a little while, and then the next craziness is in. Billy's backyard, which we can oh, talk about that God. later. I don't, even, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> we won't. We, we have plenty of time to talk about that. Moving on. <laughs> Michael Jordan will be there. Here's what I can tell you. Before the Daytona 500 started, one of the main stories was Denny Hamlin's going through a three-peat, and, and Talladega, or, uh, uh, Daytona let everybody know that um, she still rules the fucking world, and a Cinderella <laughs> won, and Cinderella's uh, um, uh, dotted the field. And it's, Man, great and it's, way to put that, Dan. Great yeah. way. 
Well, he that's rules what, the world. Damn yeah. right. And that's why you, you got to watch the damn race. And that's why, you know, sometimes yeah. you see a 6-3 ball game and sometimes you see Denny Hamlin get a 3 Not this year. Yeah. Pretty damn excited about Billy. You want to make any any predictions on what we see? Are, you, are we going to see any lap uh, lap three cautions or it takes out at the field? What do you think, Billy? No, we may see uh, Ryan Blaney dive ball and Chase Elliott. Yeah. Probably see <laughs> screw it up on the final lap somehow. Wow. And, yeah. No, well, you won't see that, will you? Yeah, well, I can tell you this. My my opinion on that, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Lee, but my, my opinion on that is um, Chase Elliott may not have gained an enemy, but he lost a friend. Um, and, and I think that's that's probably – yeah, I mean, and I think Brian Blaney said it best. If you make that move, you better win the fucking race. Otherwise, it's bad deal, and it's it's yeah. a, it's a bad deal. Now, now Ryan's going to have to. <laughs> you have to understand something. Uh, Chase was on old tires. Ryan Blaney were on much fresher tires, and and Chase Elliott got to his back bumper. So Ryan Blaney better hope that um, um, <laughs> that he can stay ahead of Chase uh, when it comes down to it, because Ryan Blaney is damn sure. I mean, he won the first Roval. Uh, Chase Elliott is good at that damn track. Martin Truex Jr. is good. Kurt Busch is good. There's a there's a uh, there's a dozen guys in there that I, I could see winning the race for sure. But I I think we're in for a. I think everybody's got the jitters out. I think we're going to see a a very well run race. I don't think we're going to see a ton of mistakes since they've had you know some, half the field has had some practice on that track. But I'm looking for um, um, a very. But good everybody race. has notes on it because we ran there last year. Exactly. So now it's not it's not an anomaly. They got something to at least look at. Uh, they got they got a plan at least they know how to deviate from um, when they need to. So I, I think we're I think we're in for a uh, for for a special treat. And um, uh, shit, let's just talk right now, Billy Bradley. Who you got as your as your winner and who's your dark horse? Because the only winner now remember. You, you you can't pick Michael McDowell as a dark horse, Billy Bradley, because he's a winner now. So you can't pick him as a dark horse. You're exactly like right. So <laughs> uh, I'm going to play the old uh, Rob Lopes. Uh, oh, here we go. Trip from last year. I'm going to pick Kevin Harvick as a dark horse for the next 15 races. <laughs> but I got such some bullshit. Martin Truex. And the man, Kyle Larson. So you got the 19 and the 5. Yep. Interesting. And the 5. Very okay. interesting. Who you got, Rob? Everybody, well, since it's only one race in, everybody's a dark horse. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to go against the grain. Kevin Harvick is my dark horse. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, against the grain. Yeah. I'm going to go against the grain on Um. <laughs> And my winner is going to be – wait a minute. What did Billy pick? Billy picked Truex, right? Yeah, he yeah. Picked, that's for shit. But um, – my winner. Kyle Busch. Son of a bitch. I already wrote the number down, and I had to scratch it out. I'm taking Chase Elliott. It's not, I'm not even going to think twice about it. I, um, um, although I do think – Martin Truex, David Smith wrote an article this morning about uh, about uh, Martin Truex Jr. But I, I'm taking Chase Elliott. Um, he's proved that Perfect. he's been uh, extremely good on these tracks. And I, 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 this was last year. I take the 48, but I think I'm going to take. Um, I think I'm going to take the 11 uh, since I can. And 
Why not? And the four's already taken. I, I think I'm going to I'm going to take the the nine and eleven. So uh, we got right now. Billy has the nineteen and the five. Rob has the eighteen and the four. I've got the nine and eleven. And uh, I tell you one thing, I, I am damn excited for this race to come up.
for Rob Lopes for Billy Bradley. I'm Daniel. Let's watch a good one on Sunday, boys. Yeah, it's good to be back. Heck yeah. Good to be back. See you.